Superfractors have been stolen from Topps printing facility by a criminal who apparently has done this a lot before. What should be done? How can we prevent this from happening? We debate now. Hello, sports card investors, and welcome to another episode of Cards on the Table, and welcome to another unfortunate topic that we have to talk about today, Teapot. This is not good stuff for the sports card hobby, Doug, but it's something we have to tackle right now. And it started over this last weekend when there were some users on social media who were reporting that there was a suspicious eBay seller. He went by the name DFW Card Shark. And this eBay seller had a whole bunch of one-of-one superfractors from 2023 Bowman Draft listed for sale. Now, what was unusual was this product, 2023 Bowman Draft, that was the product with the Tom Brady cards, this only came out recently. How did one person get so many different superfractors and they had them all up for auction at the same time? This looks suspicious people started to investigate. And Baseball Card Blog on Twitter, or X, I guess we call it now, did a lot of the investigation, started to notice things like the the one-of-one stamp on these cards was on the wrong side. Yeah. And so that looked a little weird. What's going on? Are these not real? Did these get backdoored out of the printing facility that Tops and Fanatics owns? Well, it turns out that's exactly what happened because Mike Mahan, the CEO of Fanatics Collectibles contacted Baseball Card Blog and said that Topps has launched an investigation into this and they have determined that these cards were in fact stolen. Apparently what happened was that these were cards that did not pass quality inspection in the printing facility. They were superfractors. They weren't happy with the quality, so they were put them aside. I assume they were going to destroy them, but instead of getting destroyed, they got backdoored. Some employee, maybe of the printing facility, got them out of there. And whether that's DFW Card Shark who resold them or whether they gave them to somebody else, but this DFW Card Shark account, this has been going on for some time. This person has a very suspicious eBay sales history that also involves a ton of one of ones of different Panini products. Yeah. And of course, Panini uses the same printing facility. This brings up a lot of questions and a lot of concerns for hobbyists. Teapot, what do you make of all of this? And what does the hobby need to do to stop this from happening? We were just talking about how Ruben was talking about Deloitte now doing audits. One thing that's not clear to me is who's really at fault here? Who's to blame? It seems like it's the printing facility, not Fanatics and not Panini. Although we don't have a lot of visibility into what that relationship is like. Yeah, Panini does now own a controlling interest in the printing facility. So, so, so. it's like, it's like in, bo- you know, in both directions, there's an issue with both companies. The printing company seems like they should be on the hook. What kind of background checks are they running for employees? What types of controls are in place? We don't have visibility to that. In any case, in my opinion, this is very straightforward and this should already be in place. Card doesn't pass quality control. That card gets not one, but two escorts over to a big shredder in the middle of the printing facility, completely visible with 24 seven surveillance on that shredder. And they go into the shredder. They don't go into a trash bag that gets hauled out to the dumpster that somebody jumps in and picks all of them out and then backdoors them. It should literally be impossible 
for cards to be backdoored. Like that shouldn't be that difficult. Always having a buddy system, always having eyes on these types of things. I mentioned it last time. I would love to have visibility into the controls and the overall QC process, including the printing process and everything. I think that would be a huge win for the trust of the hobby. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. Maybe there's even real good reasons for that not to happen, but that would help restore some of the consumer confidence in this process. Yeah. I mean, it, it, well, hey, here's a suggestion. Invite our sports card investor team, our cameras out to the printing facility. Show us the controls and the mechanisms that are in place. Yeah, I think that, you can. Yeah, let yeah. me get some super fractors. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, goodness. <laughs> All right, let's not, let's not include that in the final bring, edit here. Don't bring Doug. Uh, we're not going to bring Doug on that tour. Doug, what do you make of all of this? A few things. One, DFW Card Shark is not a very good criminal, whether he's the actual thief or just the fence. It's card porn. Yeah, why do you put it all out at the same time? Why wouldn't you have like multiple different eBay accounts and put one here and what? Yeah. This is so obvious. It's just such, raising such a red flag. Well, of course and, you're getting caught. And his username, DFW, referenced yeah, the, the Dallas, Fort Worth, yeah. Dallas Fort Worth, which happens to be where the printing yeah. facility is located. So, I mean, yeah. it. So You're great right. job there. It, it doesn't seem like the best criminal uh, act here. This reminds me of a story from the late 90s, early 2000s. They made a documentary about it. It's called McMillions. Mm -hmm. It was about the McDonald's Monopoly game where, you know, the, the grand prize was usually a million dollars or some great cash prize, or sometimes it was cars. And they hired a third party to bring in, like not Deloitte, but, you know, similar thing that we're talking about here. They brought in a whole other third party to kind of handle this, run security, and the head of security is the one who did all the, the stealing. Stole like $24 million worth of prizes. There was like a decade where no one actually won any McDonald's prizes except for the head of security for the company that was supposed to be overseeing this. Point being, I don't know what you can do to stop this because there's going to be a human element involved. You put two people on, on the, the, the case, maybe they conspire to, to split it. Like There's always the, the human element, and it can be shady. When there's that much money involved, uh, You know, there's, there's that kind of risk involved as well. I don't know what you do to prevent it. Like it, Everything would have to be under such a microscope. Um, it's troublesome that we keep having these issues over and over and over again. The only thing good about this is I do appreciate the full transparency for fanatics to come out and tell us exactly what happened and not just say, we know there's an incident, um, to address it directly and then come up with a pretty decent solution by refunding people that made those purchases yeah. out of their own pocket. Um, they you know, I, I can appreciate that, but man, yeah. like at some point you got to start, stop giving them credit for fixing it and start asking why does it keep happening? Yeah. I know, you know, I was at the TOPS conference earlier this year and I, I met a, a guy there who was from the FBI and he had just been hired full time by Fanatics to help them shore up their security and their operations around the handling of cards wow. and that type of thing. Now, I don't know if he's still there. This was several months ago that the TOPS conference Probably. took place, but his role, his position was, I think, to help prevent things such as this. So what I if mean, this was a honeypot that they set up intentionally to catch ooh, the person? That'd be I, smart. Interesting. I don't know. So <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. Hopefully he's still there. Hopefully they can make a difference. I am encouraged by their transparency, yeah. but discouraged that we got another scandal like this. Again, it's a learning experience. Let's hope they can get the right security measures in place. I know it's challenging. I know it's tough, but we got to get it cleaned up for the hobby. All right, one thing that is going a little bit better is Pristine Auction has another elite auction going on. And Doug, they got some really nice stuff in there, including something I got my eyes on, a complete set of 1986 Fleer basketball, probably my favorite set of all time. 
and it's up there right now on Pristine Elite. What do you have your eye on? Yeah, so I hate to really talk about it, honestly. This auction ends on December 30th. If I talk about it now, maybe the price isn't so good for me, but 1980 tops. Bird, Magic, Dr. J, on-card auto of all three in a PSA slab. You've got one of those, right? Yeah, that's a beautiful card. Yeah, I would yeah. love it. Um, it's well-priced right now, but by talking about it, I run the risk of it not being so well-priced, but we'll see. How about you, Teapot? Early career, Kobe Bryant flying through the air, attempting at least to dunk on Dikembe Mutombo. What I couldn't find is, was there a finger wag after, or did he make the dunk? But it is a signed PSA-authenticated framed photo with an awesome photo of Kobe. I think it nice. may have been from the finals, nice. but I couldn't find the dunk. So who I'm going to go with he made the dunk if he yeah. was willing to sign it. Signed otherwise, it. he true. might That's refuse true. to sign it. It so. may have been signed by Dikembe otherwise. <laughs> All of these auctions plus many, many more are available right now for you to bid on on pristineauction.com. And when you register at pristineauction.com, make sure to use code SCI when you register because we're going to give you $10 free in your account towards your first purchase. Okay, let's dive into your day to die video this past weekend, Teapot. You talked about value beyond quarterbacks yeah. in football. This is something that a lot of people would say, is there value beyond quarterbacks in football? It seems like football card collecting and investing is so driven by the top of the top quarterbacks and, and, and that's it in many ways that it seems to be the case, but is that really the case? Is there value to be had if you look beyond the star quarterbacks? There's a lot of things working against other positional players, defensive players. If a defensive tackle or a defensive end edge rusher gets one sack per game, 16 sacks, that's a phenomenal season. That's like one play a game, right? I mean, it's more than that. There's reasons why we have all eyes on the quarterback. They are the most important position. Nobody's disputing that, but I think they get too much credit. We saw Russell Wilson, Early this year, all over, his cards went up. He was in our top five, and everybody's going, Russ is back. He's cooking. He wasn't cooking. He had, like, one touchdown a game. <laughs> he was game managing, and their defense was winning. And Cortland Sutton, by the way, had two, basically, game-saving touchdowns in two different games. It's a whole team effort is really the point. I think there's an opportunity for us to look at other positional players and sort of collectively as a hobby shift and say, maybe we should giving, be giving others more credit. Now, I will say, I think today's modern positional players and quarterbacks are just inflated in general. There's so much risk baked in. But if you go back and you look at some of the all-time greats, the last thing I did in that video was stacked up like Ray Lewis, uh, you know, Champ Bailey, some of the greatest defensive players of the 2000s, all gold parallels. And it was the same price point as a bunch of silver prisms of current quarterbacks and other players. And it's like, which of these would impress you more if somebody opened up their showcase and said, look at this? It's those legends that that made the 2000s. So I think there's a case to be made for some of that. I would actually, and I've never seen this before, I would actually respect if I went to a card yeah. show and I saw that a, a dealer table yeah. had his whole entire showcase full of nothing but defensive players, refractors, high-end refractors of defensive players. That would actually be pretty cool to see. If anyone actually ever did that at a card show, I would feature that if I was at that card show on our Sports Card Investor vlog because it would be so unique. All right, I got to go. Start building a portfolio. Something that people haven't seen. Uh, would that impress you, Doug? What, what do you yeah. think about beyond the quarterback position? Yeah, so I've been beating this drum the entire run of show that we've, you know, for every episode I've been on of Cards on the Table, I feel like I've said at some point that quarterbacks get too much love and I wish it was more spread out. Uh, and, you know, Teapot's right. It's easy to see why they're involved in every offensive play, essentially, and they're so important to their team. 
but it is disproportionate in my opinion. And I can understand why you wouldn't in invest in some positions or why they shouldn't be worth money. Uh, you know, running backs have such a short shelf life. They always get injured and, yep. uh, you know, they play for like three years before they're replaced. I get that. But there are star defenders and star skill players that should get more love. Maybe that's wishful thinking on my part because I would you just have always wanted to see that more spread out. Wouldn't it be so nice for the football card market if it weren't propped up by a 20 or 30 ultra modern quarterbacks and we had, you know, we could spread that yeah. around a little more. Um, but then selfishly at the same time, I'm able to go buy all the Jaguars, Josh Allen and Wandale Robinsons I could ever hope for because nobody wants them but me. Uh, you know, so it's a double-edged sword, you know, as a collector, it can be nice to go and collect all Even that Even those stuff. quarterbacks are quite the revolving door right now too. Yeah. Right now they are. They are. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say one thing the quarterbacks definitely have going for them is longevity because, you know, if you think about like, you know, great defensive players like Khalil Mack or Aaron Darnold recently regarded as some of the best ever, but then they, it seems like their lifespans yeah. are a bit shorter in terms of, you know, that, that level of impact in the league versus uh, Aaron Rodgers, maybe a bad example this season, but you know, guys like him, if you think about 10 years from now, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, Burrow's probably still going to be playing at a high level. Chase probably will be in yeah. the tail end of his career. His speed will have fallen off, all that kind of stuff. So I think that has something to do with it, but I, I'm, I'm with you guys in general. That would be nice for it not to just be all quarterbacks all the time. Okay, guys, we got some more great topics to talk about, including PSA's end-of-year statistics, some really surprising stuff to go over there. But first, a quick break. with the end of year approaching now is a great time to get market movers so you're ready for what will hopefully be a hot sports card market in january go get market movers at sportscardinvestor.com click market movers in the main menu bar or download the market movers app from your phone and you know what teapot if i had market movers right now i would be able to look up aaron donald cards <laughs> not aaron or sam darnold darnold cards uh, sam darnold, anyway, yes donald. anyway anyway there you go Let's talk about this, guys. This was newsworthy in the hobby this last week. PSA just released their kind of end-of-year recap report, their stats of all of the grading that happened over the course of this year. There were a few interesting things in here. Pokemon putting up huge numbers, absolutely massive numbers over the course of the year. Um, it was kind of interesting seeing basketball slide back behind football and baseball in terms of the total number of cards graded. That wouldn't have been the case a couple of years ago. Um, and there was a surprise, perhaps unbelievable to think that the 1989 Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. Uh, upper deck card, still one of the top graded cards of the year, despite the fact that it is decades after its release. Teapot, any thoughts on what we saw from PSA and kind of grading in general here as we look back on the year? It's a lot of plastic. It's a lot of slabs. I don't know how enviroconscious that is, <laughs> but, um, I mean, look, I have a big question, and I made a video about this in the past, so we would have discussed it here, I think. Where are all these graded cards going? And I don't mean right after they leave PSA. I don't mean who's sending them in. I mean, who wants them long -term? They're all going to Cards HQ. Who wants them long -term? Cards, we do have quite a few out there. Um, graded cards are heavier. They, they're bigger to store. And I think no matter what your collection size is, every collector has a limit that they reach. Some, it's a very small limit, and they curate, and they you know consolidate. Others like to have a ton of cards, but 100, 200, 
5,000 graded cards. Like whatever the limit is, there is one and you run out of space and you can't even ever look at all of them. I'm definitely not anti-grading. I'm not anti-grading, I'm far from it. But I think the numbers are astounding. You're talking about roughly 14 million cards this year graded by PSA, 14 million cards. I think Fanatics is gonna have to do more than 10X the hobby for that to sustain long-term. So is this the next batch of things going into the Atlantic Ocean to sit with the mantles? Or I, I don't know what's going to happen to some of these. Obviously, some will have a place long term, like I think all of these maybe. But others, like the Cam Reddish PSA 10 base prism sitting out there, I don't know. How about biodegradable slabs? Hey, Slabs that, you know, like after, like a they just, a couple, after a couple of years, they just <laughs> yeah, kind of break down. And that's, yeah. that's what every Then your, yes. your car is raw again. Yeah. That might be good for the grading company. Right? Also be good for yeah. the grading companies because I think you keep reholdering every couple of years. Doug, thoughts? I'm not anti-grading like Teapot is, but I do <laughs> I do agree and acknowledge that, you know, we're in a junk slab era. There, there, there's no way around it. There's no other way to describe it, honestly. Um, was not surprised to see Pokemon lead the way in that report that they put out. That's pretty obvious. I've seen it week after week from Gym Rates reports. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's kind of always 4. the top category. 4.4 million Pokemon cards graded by PSA this year. Yeah. That is almost double baseball, which was second at 2.6 million. Yeah, I mean, Pokemon's printed to the moon, too, honestly. You talked to, you know, our guy yeah. Mikey Beans about it on your podcast. Mikey Beans. Yeah, uh, he's our Pokemon guy, and he talked a little bit about how, how overprinted it is and whether or not he had concerns. You should check that out. Um, my biggest surprise was baseball being number two. I guess that's because I don't care about baseball, and it's out of sight, out of mind for me. But I thought it would be Pokemon football, baseball, basketball. I was surprised to see baseball holding up really strong there. Well, um, baseball's also got the longevity, yeah. so you got, you know, yeah. that I'm sure includes Much baseball more throughout the decades. Yeah. And uh, yeah. more traditional, but more vintage out there to grade as well. Biggest surprise, though, is the 89 Griffey in the yeah. top three. Yeah. I cannot believe that card is still getting graded at the rate that it is. Still worth a lot of money, too, though. I mean, that's still a pretty expensive card, so... I don't know. Yeah. yeah, by the way, thank you for the shout out to my yeah. podcast. That's the Jeff Wilson Show podcast and great discussion about Pokemon this week. Check that out. Another very newsworthy item this week, Doug. We'll start with you on this one. Panini announced that it has reached a deal with FIFA. I should say it has extended its yeah. deal with FIFA through 2030. So pre presumably when the World Cup comes here to America in 2026, we're going to see Prism World Cup cards again, and we're going to see those again in 2030. And we're probably going to see, I imagine, a lot of soccer cards coming from Panini yeah. over the course of the next several years because Panini may not be doing football or, or basketball right. in the near future. So they, they will be probably le heavily leaning into soccer. Your thoughts on this news? Yeah, good segue there with, with what you said. So on the surface, I'm happy. Um, I've always, as, as someone who's been a soccer collector over the past few years, I've always associated the Champions League with tops and then international soccer with Panini, so I'm glad to see this continue. Uh, one of the most in-demand sets and important sets for soccer is Prism World Cup. But my concern is if that's one of the only licenses they hold, there's going to be a lot more than just Prism World Cup coming out. There is going to be a ton of FIFA international soccer releases under every brand that they can muster. And uh, that's not what the soccer market needs. It's flux not a, FIFA? It's, it's not a flux FIFA, yeah. XR, yeah. It's not the strongest market, right? Yeah. Soccer's not, not the right strongest now, market. No, the last thing no. we need is every single brand focused on printing out as much soccer as possible. And I do worry that some of that is on the horizon. It's already happened over the past couple yeah. of years. Post-2019, print runs have 10X'd for soccer. If that's one of the last licenses they hold, it could go even higher, and that's not that's not going to be a good thing. 
Yeah, the soccer market does feel like it's it's fallen off, you know, quite a bit over the last couple of years. There was a huge, unbelievable growth. Soccer was the thick, fastest growing segment of the sports card hobby in 2020 and 2021 because I think a lot of people, a lot of new people went there. And also, I think there was just a lot of speculators saying soccer is going to be the next big thing. Then you've had a much larger drop off in soccer than you have had in some of the other sports. But you do have the World Cup coming which gives optimism to people such as myself that think soccer long-term continues to remain a good bet. But what do you make of this news with Panini? It's a little refreshing, only in the sense that in a world of not monopolies that are happening with all the licenses, we at least have a sport, soccer, that's so divided up into leagues and federations and organizations that we can have a little bit of the best of both worlds. So in addition to the World Cup with FIFA, uh, they also have the English Premier League licenses, exclusive licenses with the EPL. So we have Prism um, EPL, which isn't nearly as popular, but it, it is a, a, a nice product. Uh, we saw uh, Serie A and uh, uh, La Liga, uh, Ligue 1, like, uh, or not, not Liga, La Liga, La Liga. Mosaic. Yep. And then, but then when you flip over to Tops, they've got MLS yep. and they've got Bundesliga. Mm -hmm. And they have like an exclusive Champions license League. with PSG. Mm -hmm. And then, well, that's what's interesting, I don't understand. UEFA is part of FIFA, mm -hmm. and yet Topps is able to do Topps Chrome UEFA Champions League. So there's some kind of an agreement there, like a you know subsidiary agreement. But it's nice to have both of those product offerings, especially Prism World Cup and UEFA Champions League Topps Chrome. I agree, and of course, soccer's Panini's heritage. Yeah. You know the, the history. Correct. Panini yeah. is an Italian great. company. I mean, so I think it makes sense for Panini to continue to be able to play in the soccer game. Yeah. I think that's comfortable and. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Awesome. Well, this has been a good show, guys. And by the way, happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas. Hope you're having a great holiday season out there. Appreciate you watching our shows all year long. We're going to be on a little break next week. We're going to do a little bit of a best of some of our interviews and things we've done over the year uh, over the years next week. Uh, but then we'll be back right after the holidays, right after the New Year's to continue to pick up cards on the table. We appreciate all of your support over the course of the year. And we hope to see you back when we are back on set next time. Until then, happy holidays. Thank you, guys. Have a good rest of your 2023, gentlemen. Yes, sir. And Merry a Christmas. good start to 2024. We'll see you soon. Take care.